As we continue to worship this morning, we open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've been looking at this passage. Do I need to dismiss the dismiss the child? Yes, I can dismiss the child. That works. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Right, it'll take that. Uh, we've been looking at this passage in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a little bit, and there's, you know, there's kind of three words you can throw out there. He's told us to learn from the past, Paul has, telling, telling this Corinthian church. He's grabbed this Old Testament illustration, right, and said uh, he learned from these, these uh, uh, men and women who made a lot of bad decisions. They were not pleasing to God in the wilderness, and so their bodies were scattered all over the wilderness. And so he says you need to learn from this, and then he warns the Corinthians with very specific sins. Right? Do not uh, become an adulteress uh, or be caught in that, in the act of, of that. He says, do not commit sexual immorality. Uh, verse 9, do not tempt Christ or test him. And then verse 10, do not complain or grumble or murmur, right? Which was, uh, if you're familiar with the Old Testament and all the, of the Israelites in the, in the wilderness through the Exodus, that was kind of, kind of common, right? They kind of did that quite a bit. And then he comes to this place, and you almost see a little bit of, of uh, Paul's heart again and his desire to see these Corinthians to really understand this. And I can imagine he might be thinking, you know, I've told them about this, and I've, I've told them about the, the past and what happened to them, and these parallels between what they had and what you have, what happened to them can happen to you. And he kind of comes to this passage uh, where he kind of, I think, I, I believe Paul is encouraging them um, to, to move forward. And it's this, I called this sermon Fighting Temptation. And at first I thought, is, is fighting overly aggressive? That sounds kind of aggressive, but I think that's, that's the heart. Uh, Paul loves them. He wants them not to have the same conclusion as the, as the Israelites in uh, the wilderness. And so he comes to this idea of temptation, the root of all of this stuff, being too, tempted for all these sins, and he comes and he gives some instruction. And I think this, for the Christian life, uh, is, is so important, right? Too often we, we, uh, uh, we know temptation, we've experienced temptation. If you're breathing this morning, you've experienced temptation, I'm sure. Our society is built upon the things contrary to Scripture and entice you to do things contrary to Scripture. Uh, I don't have to say much more on that. Um, but I think for us as followers of Christ, too often maybe we get too close to temptation, right? And sometimes it, it, it bites back. And Paul is going to tell us in this passage, you know, to become consumed or get caught up in temptation, it leads to sin. That's what he's telling these Corinthians. It's like the story of, of uh, uh, this young sailor who is uh, out sailing and, and he had uh, collided with a yacht. And the yacht, the name of the yacht was, was the Dragon Song. And as the story unfolds, this was in, uh, around Iceland, and, and uh, what made the story pop out is, is that exactly one year to the day previous, he had collided with this same yacht. And people were remarking, like, how did this even happen? How did this, you know, one year later, you collide into the same yacht. And the story goes, the, the young sailor said, I felt so bad about colliding into that yacht, and when I saw the yacht again, and not thinking about it being a year to the day, I went over, I sailed close to him and wanted to apologize. I'm so sorry, you know, to yell out to him that I, I, I collided into your yacht. In the process of doing that, he got a little too close and he did it again. 
the skipper of the boat, the Yadra, the dragon song, said, you know what, I don't think I'm going to sail anymore if this young man's out there sailing. I just think I'm not going to do that. And I think that's like this, this interesting parallel. We mean to do right sometimes in life, and sometimes we kind of think, you know, I'm strong enough. I can withstand this temptation, because that's exactly what the Corinthians are doing. If you remember, they're challenging Paul theologically, right? We, you know, Paul, keep trying. Someday you'll get there, right? I mean, that's kind of their attitude towards him. They believe that they can hang out and, and eat the food uh, sacrificed to idols because they're, they're strong. We know an idol is nothing. And Paul says, you're right. You do not realize that hanging out and do those things, you lower your standard, right? You're being tempted to do things ultimately down the road that would be sin. So this is his instruction here as he's come through this, as he's walked us through this. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 11 through 14. He says, now all these things happen to them as examples. And he's talking about the Israelites as examples that they were written for your admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And then therefore, verse 14, my beloved, flee from adultery. The offer a prayer. Lord, we thank you again for this time. We thank you for your word. Uh, we ask that your spirit would be with us, teaching us and giving us insight, uh, giving us, as the psalmist says, a, a passion and a hunger for your statutes, for your commandments. And I pray that over this passage as well, Lord, you give us that, that desire to learn and to see the areas where maybe we might be susceptible to temptation and ask, God, you'd make us alert and attentive, and that in us, God, you would be glorified. Pray a blessing over this message. We commit it to you, and ask that you get me out of the way, that every life be fixed upon you and you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've come to this passage, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, Paul's been walking us through. He's, he said, look, there's all these wonderful things. It only starts out with really wonderful things. Verses 1 through 4, as he's talking about uh, all the, the Israelites in the, in the wilderness, they said they had all these good things. God led them. They had Moses. That was a blessing. He was a Christ figure, and Christ was their rock, and they had it all. And then he goes to verse 5, and he simply says, God was not pleased. Even though they had it all, God was not pleased with them. And then he begins to explain why the Lord wasn't pleased with them. Right? And he gives us those warnings as we, as we looked at last week. And then he comes to this passage, and he's unfolding it. And I believe he's addressing that thought, and maybe you've shared this thought of, of, well, how, how do I know? How am I going to make it? I wonder if you've ever had that moment where you look upon the, these passages and you go, man, if, if, if the Israelites are this, and Paul's clearly building this parallel between them and the church today, and if we're falling or being uh, uh, trapped in these sins, uh, there is a real danger, right? There's a real danger for us to missing out on God's blessings. We're not talking about losing salvation. It's talking about losing the blessings of God. And, of course, the Israelites, their, their lives came to an earlier end Right? And he says, that's, that's a real possibility. If you're meandering around, you're his heartbeat. But now he comes and he says, with some encouraging words, that God is faithful. 
I don't know about you, but I need to hear that. That statement, God is faithful. I mean, amen, right? God is faithful. So he comes to this, this passage, and I'm just going to unfold this about fighting temptation. In verse 11, I, I, my first point here is uh, fight temptation by attaining instruction. I believe that's what Paul is saying, right? Attain instruction. You, I know this might shock you, but you haven't arrived, Right? I know, that's a shocker. Some of you are going, uh, clearly you're not thinking of me, right? We haven't arrived. I remember having a, a, a friend uh, at Bible college, and, and uh, uh, he was a, a musician, and uh, he just had this, this he, couldn't, he couldn't learn anything more. I've arrived, and I thought, you know, music's pretty, pretty vast. Pick a different genre. I'm sure you haven't done it all, you know, but he, had, he was just kind of convinced, kind of full of himself. And Paul kind of comes and he says in verse 11, now all these things happen to them as examples, right? This is an example. And he goes on, he says, and they were written for our admonition, for our instruction. Paul, God has given you this for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So Paul is saying it's not a type. It's not like, hey, there's a, this group of people and they're kind of like you. No, he's saying this is the same thing. This is by way of example. This has happened. They, God brought them out of, out of Egypt. God delivered them from bondage and they came out. And what did they do? They did all these sins, right? And he's saying, look, this is the same thing. By way of example, it's a warning to you. So we see some urgency in Paul a little bit here. But he says, don't, don't come to this place where you, you think I've arrived. I don't need any more instruction. I would say you're probably in a dangerous place if that's you this morning. I think I've got all I need, right? I've got my $200. I'll go, there's Monopoly illustration there. I'll go carry on, right? I'm not in jail. I'm good. I'm good to go around the board one more time. But he says, hey, this has been given to you for, as admonition, right? And that, that word simply means to advise someone concerning dangerous consequences, to give instruction, right? You see Paul's pastoral heart where he says, look, I know what you're doing, Corinthians. I know that you're eating food to sacrifice to idols, and apparently you're okay with this, but understand you're opening yourself up. You haven't arrived. You're not a spiritual giant like you think you are. They walked through the desert. God parted the waters. He did all these wonderful things in their midst. He was uh, the fire by night and the cloud by day. They had all of this, and Christ was their rock. And guess what? Right? They fail. Out of that, two million projected scholars say that actually left the Exodus. How many made it to the promised land? Two, right? Two of that original group. Not even Moses. Moses, he got to see it, right? Ah, oh, there it is. But he didn't get to go in. So you see the urgency of Paul here saying, look, this can happen to you. You haven't arrived. These are for your instruction. Scripture is good. And for us, Paul is saying, what? All of Scripture is good. The Old Testament is important for us to understand. It gives light. And the New Testament, it sheds understanding, right? And this is exactly what he's saying. This was recorded. The Old Testament was recorded for this defining moment in your life that you would understand, that you would receive instruction, that you would learn. He goes on, he says, to the ends of the ages, right? There's this urgency in Paul's understanding. You know, Christ has come. He's gone to the, to the cross. He's risen from the grave. We're in the already not yet. There's a sense that God is wrapping up history here. You're the New Testament church this morning. We're in this place. Paul has complete confidence, right, that God has secured salvation. The ends of the age, it's secured in God. And God's ultimate act is salvation, right? So trust in the Lord. He's in control, but he's wrapping up history there's some urgency here. We just can't go on easy streets. 
You know, sometimes we come to this, and I'm talking really in regards to temptation, right? We just can't think, well, I'm going to be, I'm a, I'm a bulwark, right? Spiritually, uh, I, can, I can withstand these things. I always marvel at some of, of the men of, of, of faith and, and ladies, women of faith, right? And throughout history who have fallen. And you would think, I don't know if you had that moment, and growing up and, and having a, a pastor, you just think, this was, he was, man, such an influence on my life. And to find out later that he had some type of moral failure, and you're thinking, what happened? That guy was a bulwark. I mean, I didn't know his personal life, but man, and you know, he was just awesome. What happened? And we would say, most likely, he sailed his ship a little too close, right? And got caught. The guy collided. Or collided. Is that the right word? Collided. It's past tense. It's a new word. It reminds me of the story of the, of the young man who wanted to be a boxer, right? And he goes to the, finds a trainer at a local gym and and he says, yeah, I'll give you 26 lessons. I'll make you a boxer. This is outstanding. He goes to so the first lesson, has a bunch of sparring and, and fighting. At the end of this first lesson, the, he found himself already swollen and immensely sore. And he's having this moment of, of you know, thinking twice about it. So he goes to the, to the, the trainer and he says, um, hey, will the other 25 lessons be like this? And he says, absolutely, you're going to learn to box. And then he thinks to himself, he says, is there any possibility in which I might take these other 25 lessons and learn them by correspondence? Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. See, sometimes we're, we're, it's not until we get into it, right? Not until we fail, we, 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 we compromise. And then we say, oh, I wish I would have done something different. And Paul up front is saying, you're not, right? You're not a bore. You are susceptible to all of this. They had exactly what you have today. We have Christ ever more so. We have it more full. We have the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So did the Corinthians. And Paul is concerned. They will fall just like them. So fighting temptation to say, you know what? I'm not where I need to be. I need to continue to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. I need to have my Bible open and going forward, right? These are written down so you and I, we would learn. This is important for us. So he goes on from there in verse 12. I, I just say fight temptation by uh, remaining alert, right? Not only do we need to receive instruction, um, attain instruction, but we need to be uh, in a state of alertness. Paul says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Right now here he's not saying, I know you, you Corinthians, you don't think very well, right? You don't think correctly. That's not what he's saying. He simply draws a conclusion here, therefore, he's beginning to wrap up this, this part, and he comes to this thing, and he's speaking to the whole church, and he's, think, he's talking to uh, those who think, you know what, of this, of this mentality, I have this opinion um, that I'm okay, based on appearance, based on you know, who I follow in their, in their divisions in the church, based on all these things, they have this idea that differs from reality, right? I'm, I think I'm okay, right? Paul, keep trying, one of these days you'll get it, Right? One of these days you'll figure it out. But he says, he who thinks he stands. And there's this, this sense of, of urgency. If you think you're there, you think you're good, you think you've arrived, you can go to the temples and eat these meals, you can participate in all these things, and he's simply telling them, you too. You can fall. You can fall. It, it works itself in here, right? It's connected to the verses previous, the therefore, all these things, all these warnings. He's saying it, it can be you. It can be me. 
And too often, and I believe in the church, we just simply leave our guard down because we think, well, you know what, I've been walking with the Lord multiple years or multiple times, or I've overcome this once, I'm good. I love how John Owen in his book, um, Mortification of Sin, where he says, you know, when we beat a sin down and we feel we've killed it, he says, you must continue to beat that sin down and continue to kill it. Don't yield, right? Don't give up and think, well, I've got that one. I, I beat it today, I'm okay. He says, beat that sin all the time. And too often our alertness just kind of goes down. If we have a, a simple victory, right, in our walk with the Lord, we've overcome something, and we say, well, you know what, next time that shows up, it's no problem. And Paul is saying, no, it can be a problem. You can fall. Right? And the idea with this word is like in, in a military idea that you can be overcome, you can lose, you can, you can be overtaken, overrun, right? And, and so he's, he's pressing them in, saying, don't be overly confident. Be alert. We could weave into that by implication the importance of accountability, importance of having others in your life that, that you can call upon, that can pray with you, that can encourage you. Now Paul's, again, he's not talking about you losing your salvation. He's talking about missing out on God's blessing, missing out on your life coming to an earlier end where as he talks about these sins, this can happen. Be alert. The Hebrew writer in, in uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through 13 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart, of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, what happens over time is our alertness comes down and we kind of begin to compromise. I have freedom in Christ. It's exactly what the Corinthians were saying. I'm free to go eat this food. And Paul was saying, you're right, but you're lowering your standard. The more you lower your standard, pretty soon sins that used to offend you don't offend you anymore. That's his point. That's what he's driving home. They thought, you know what? I have to have nothing to fear. It's okay. And we have to say, you know what? Even though you might have been delivered from this type of pagan worship and this type of, of, of worshiping this pagan, but going back into that same temple and eating food, knowing that it's nothing, right? There's no God whatsoever. You have to think there has to be some type of temptation to think, am I missing out on something by not participating? It's a sin that happened to Solomon. He used to sit in the temple courts of the Lord, but after 700 wives, he wasn't sitting there anymore. He was sitting in other temples. This could be happened to us. And usually we're not aware of it, right? Our guard comes down and we're just thinking, you know, I've got this and we're not alert. You know, one of the defining moments of, of, of American history, right, is George Washington crossing the Delaware in 1776. A defining moment. Do you realize that there was a Hessian spy who, who witnessed all of it? He saw it and he went to go report to his commander, a gentleman by the name of Rawl. And he was not allowed to see him, even though he knew the, the, the Americans, they're coming. And they wouldn't let him see him, so he wrote a note and he, and he sent it in. He says, he has to read this, give him this note. He has to be warned. And because Commander Rawl was in a poker game, he tucked the note away. And as history unfolds, it, even when his own soldiers were going out and firing their rifles, he was still sitting at the poker table. Right, too often we just kind of negate it. There's no way. And even though he wasn't up to it, there's nothing. And how many times in history is this like it's unfolded? These things have unfolded this way. There's just no way. And too often in our own life, we, we succumb to these things. We don't remain alert. Paul's saying, if you think you stand, be 
be very careful. I believe there's instruction throughout Scripture, right? It talks about if we go and we talk to someone in sin, don't go by yourself. Take someone with you. At least you fall. You'll become the sin. Right? We have to understand we're prone to this. Our spirit is willing. Our flesh is weak. Be wise. Right? Be wise about who you are. Be alert to temptation. Understand you too can fall. You too can fall into these sins. We trust God. Place our trust in Him. Keep moving forward. So as Paul unfolds this for us, we've come to uh, the next, verse 13. He says, uh, you know, I'm, what I'm saying is fight temptation by staying assured. This is a, here's the encouragement, right? No temptation is overtaking you except such is common to man. But God is faithful. All right, underline that in your Bible. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And we see this verse kind of moves in two directions, doesn't it? First, he's saying, he's looking backwards, see all these warnings, right? everything you've gone through, right? It's a continuation. Hey, be warned, right? You're still in the middle of this. And then he also assures them, right? Going on to verse 14, to, to because of this, right? Flee from adultery, which we'll say here in a moment. He talks about these sins that are common to man. There's nothing that you and I are walking through as humans that, that, are, that are ordinary that, that God will not deliver us from. Right? God will be faithful to us. He will walk us through them. But I think there's an implication here. If we're going through life and we're tempting Christ, I'm not so sure the Lord will come to our aid. Kind of hard for the Lord to do that, to be assured of deliverance of Christ if we're testing Him. But Paul is committed to say, look, if you're going through difficulties, if you're walking through things that are common, he's not talking about specific things, but a common demand. We're in this body. Our flesh is tempted. If you're going through this, God will provide a way. He will walk with you through it. How does he have this confidence? So I'd imagine each of us wants to say, how does he have this confidence this morning? This is what I'm walking through, right? He says, God is faithful. God is faithful. He's told them this before, right? In chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's brought you into fellowship. He will be, he will be faithful. I love a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. It says, you know, Christ cannot reject, or excuse me, God will not reject Christ. If He was to reject Christ, only then could He reject His children, right? He will not reject Christ. Therefore, he will not reject you. If you're struggling today, be encouraged by this. And what Paul is saying is simply two things. God has pledged himself. God has pledged himself based on who God is. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. God is able, right? God is, is faithful. And what's interesting here is Paul simply telling them, like, you might be going through a situation that might be, uh, God didn't start it in your life, but he may ask you to endure it. Right? God will, will walk you through it. He doesn't say God will deliver you from it. Sometimes we think, where's God in the middle of this? In the middle of this, God is refining you. But he won't bring you to a breaking point. I believe the instruction here is a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes we walk through life, and I've said this a few times, just because we go through difficulty doesn't mean someone sinned. Right? God is at work refining. Sometimes it is, but sometimes we just walk through hardships, and God wants to refine his child. He wants you to have a bigger testimony, a stronger testimony, maybe a bigger crown to throw down, right? So God is working in us. So in the midst of a storm, whether the Lord takes that storm away or he walks you through it, 
he will bring you ultimately through it. He's pledged himself. Paul goes on and says, God will provide the way out. But with the temptation, we'll also make a way of escape. You'll be able to bear it. And it's interesting here. It sounds like a contradiction, right? There's a way of escape, but you may be able to bear it. This is exactly what he's saying. We have to understand everything we walk through in life from a divine perspective. How many times have you been tempted to say, Lord, where are you in the middle of this? Only a little time later, look back and go, man, that's what he was doing in my life. That's what Paul is saying. God will provide. He'll work you through it. Right? He'll walk you through it. These are temptations that are common to man. They're not anything new. It's interesting to look back as Paul is doing and look at what the, the nation of Israel, what's going on. If, you're, if you follow the Exodus, and when do they finally get into the land? They have a leader, right? Who finally says, Joshua, he says, you know what? Uh, choose you this day whom you will serve, right? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the heart of Joshua. It leads them into the promised land, but the Israelites don't. They have, they have wonderful conviction when they go into the promised land, but they don't ultimately fulfill everything the Lord commands them to do. And then what follows, if you're familiar with the book, what follows Joshua is the book of, of Judges. And if there's one thing that pops out of the book of Judges is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. See, it's the ongoing sin. It's the struggle. Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to follow? Are you going to yield? Are you going to be encouraged? Are you going to press on? I think for us, we have to take heart to realize that you know, God was immensely gracious, even though only two made it into the promised land. God should have wiped them all out. Could have took them all out. But God fulfilled his promise. He's looking for those who say, you know what, I'll, I'll follow you, I'm going to put you first. If you're here this morning, you're going through something, and maybe that question is, what if I'm not able to resist? The first thing we have to learn from this by way of application is just simply, you're not alone. We all walk through these things. And the second one is quite simple. Turn to God. Turn to Him. Confess the sin. Place your care, your heart, your life upon Him. Stay assured in Him. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised... Is faithful. God is calling you. Be faithful. He is faithful. Trust Him. Be assured through your trial, through your temptation. Be assured God is with you. And this leads to verse 14 quite, quite quickly here. He simply says, uh, Therefore, my beloved, flee from my idolatry. And I say fight, tem- fight temptation by uh, living aggressively. Flee, right? He simply see, addresses the Corinthians. He addresses the whole church here. Uh, he wants them to flee, right? Quickly uh, move away from the situation. Often, you know, the first temptation is not what, what gets us. It's usually the, the, the few that follow because we kind of hang around, because we kind of stick around to that problem, when, and that's where we go, you know what? Ah, oh, it's so much harder now. And at that moment, our heart is not turned to God, it's turned to us. That's the struggle. If you're human, that's the struggle that goes on in our lives. And Paul has commanded them before in regards to not necessarily idolatry, but in uh, chapter 6, 18, he says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who confesses sexual morality sins against his own body. So what is Paul's answer to all of this? 
right? It's quite poetic, quite dramatic. Run, right? I mean, that's it. Get out of there. Have you ever had a moment in your life where it's just simply, you know what, I need to leave this situation because I'm going to do something that's, that's going to lead to sin. Just get out, right? Get yourself out of there. I love the story of uh, uh, there was a runner who ran for Kenya in the Olympics, and they were interviewing him and saying, how come all these runners from Kenya are so fast? And being kind of witty, he responded, and he said, it's all the road signs that say, beware of the lions. Yeah, become a fast runner, right? And that's the idea as Paul is stressing it upon you. Look, there's these, these things in life. Get away from them. Flee from them. Run away from them. And here he's talking about idolatry. It's the heart of all these sins is what? Us. All these sins. Sexual morality, grumbling, complaining. Absolutely, it's us. Idolatry, other gods, it's us. That's our sin. We have idols of our own hearts. I love this quote from Augustine who says, Idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used or using anything that ought to be worshipped. Right, that's what we do. I become more important. I have my own, my own plan, my own agenda. Right? This is what I want. This is the heart. And Paul simply says, flee from all of it. Have your devotion, your purity. Have your eyes fixed upon our Savior. Run and cast these sins that so easily entangle us. Cast them away. Paul's instruction to a young pastor in Timothy, right? 1 Timothy 6.11, he says, But you, O man of God... Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, hope, patience, gentleness. That's for all of us. Pursue these things. So your thoughts on things above. 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Be that man of God. Be that woman of God. Flee these things. Run from them. The story of a pastor who was praying with one of his, uh, his congregants, and the, the man was saying, Lord, uh, as he was praying, Lord, deliver me, deliver the cobwebs out of my life. And the pastor interjected in his prayer and said, Lord, deliver them from all the spiders. And too often we pray this way. We don't pray for the ultimate victory, that God be glorified, because we know that's where Paul is going. We're in chapter 10, verse 31, very popular verse. His mode, his operation, whether you eat or drink, God be glorified. So by way of application for this this, this morning, uh, letter A, the first thing we have to understand about this fighting temptation is temptation often comes when we least expect it. There has to be some urgency in us. There has to be an understanding that we're susceptible Right? When, we, when our guard is down, things often happen. Right? Letter B, a God's way of escape can be difficult, but it must be quickly taken. Right? Often in our lives where our sin kicks in, we kind of think, you know what? This is okay. It's what the Corinthians were doing. It's okay. I don't know why you're so hard on this. And Paul's saying you're opening yourself up. You're lowering your standard. The more you go to these temples, the more you're susceptible to sinning. It's leading you away. It's a slow fade. So the instruction here, I believe, by way of application is that sometimes it can be difficult. You don't want, you want the sin, you don't want righteousness. I don't want to pursue those things, but that's exactly what you must do. Put that thing, walk away, put, get that Bible open, sing a hymn, praise chorus. Get your mind going in the, in the right direction. Let us see, when we yield to temptation, you have to understand this, we become enslaved to sin. One of, the, one of the applications, right, of them, what, what did they want out in that, in that wilderness? Take us back to bondage. 
They'd walk with the Lord out in the wilderness, didn't like what they were eating, and they concluded the good old days were the days when we were back in bondage. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? You know, the good old days, and that's where it was good. Oftentimes, when we, when we pursue righteousness, we get on this course, and, and we're going after it, and you might have a, a rough week, a rough day, whatever it might be, and you conclude, you know what? I gave it a heart. I gave it all my, I can't do it. The good old days actually were back over here when I was in bondage. You know, if you change that, that, that metaphor, right, it'll help you. I always like the picture of going back to the gutter, right? Going back to the miry clay. You know, he pulled you out of it. He set you on the rock. Why are you going back to the miry clay? Why are you going back to the gutter? Why are you going back to the dog vomit, right? Why are you going back to that? We place that in there, and then we go, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to do that. He has delivered me. You're a child of the king. You're an ambassador. You represent Christ. He's given you a wonderful calling. You have a responsibility. You have the ministry to go and things to do. You've got to get going. You cannot be going back to the miry clay. You can't go back to the gutter. You have to keep moving forward. I know there's difficult days. I know there's hardships. Forsake the sin, right? Cast it off. Run. Follow the Savior. Last one, letter D. Being human is not an excuse for yielding to sin or temptation. You know, that's just how I am. No, I don't see that anywhere in the text. He never tells the Corinthians, I know some of you just can't do it. It's okay. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that. It's not okay. Because if we say it's okay, we're not dealing, we're not dealing honestly with God's holiness. God demands perfection, right? This is why a Savior has come. We must learn from the Israelites, the Corinthians, and Paul's instruction, all of this. Grab hold of it and trust and know God will not reject you. If you're struggling today, God will not reject you. God desires to show mercy. He desires to love. He loves his church. He loves you. What does he want? What does Paul want out of these Corinthians? Come, forsake that sin. Come and know that God is good. He's faithful. He won't give up on you. And you might be here this morning thinking, I'm ready to give up on myself. Don't, don't do that. God is faithful. Come to the cross. Come back and realize what we've, what we've celebrated together in, the, in communion. Know that he loves. Know that he forgives. Trust that he is faithful. Know that he's paid a high price. So when temptation comes, you say, you know, no, uh-uh. I'm not going back to the gutter. I have a different calling. God has called me. He's called me by my name. He's called you. He's given you good works set in front of your life. He's given you the gifts and talents to do them that we might glorify him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this, this word this morning, this encouraging word, a challenging word, a convicting word. And I know, uh, Lord, we might have a tendency to just say, this is too hard. I pray that that would not be the case. I pray, God, that your spirit would stir us and realize that you have redeemed us, you've called us, you have a purpose, you have a plan. We know you're faithful. You are faithful. Paul has told them multiple times already, you are faithful. I pray that, that you would just let that resonate in us today. We need to hear, God, you're faithful. I know we face struggles, and it's, it's, sometimes it's hard.
Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we question, Lord, where are you at? Where, where, what are you doing? Sometimes we feel the temptation, Lord, to test you, to, to complain against you. Forgive us. Please forgive us. And let us realize that in these moments, as you, as you lead us through, whether you take that, that temptation, that struggle away, or you, you walk us through it, let us be reminded that you're at work, that you're refining us, making us into bowls of noble purpose as the master potter. Let us grab hold of that. Let us be reminded of that in moments where we struggle. Lord, you're at work. If we have to physically turn, Lord, from a situation, empower us by your spirit. Let us turn from that. Let us, let us cast our eyes once again upon you. Let us sing praises to you in those moments. Let us realize the victory we have in Jesus. Let us realize he was the man of sorrows. He's our redeemer. There's a love that has come. Bring us there. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction, the teaching. I just ask, God, you would continue. Let it not be just for today, but as, as we live our lives, remind us often the truth of your word. Let us not be caught off guard or think we're better than we should. Let us realize we can be susceptible to sin. Sins that might end ministry or wreck a marriage or uh, end up losing a job, whatever it might be. So let us have our eyes fixed upon you. Strengthen us, encourage us. Let us know you love us. Oh, let us know you love us. Let that resonate deep in us. And we pray this in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen.